Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Goodbye, University. Welcome, everyone, to our GBU roundtable call. Uh, this is February, and our topic this month has been getting to be best friends with source energy, like ha- strengthening your relationship with your inner being or with higher guidance. But really, these calls are for, are for whatever we want to talk about. I do have a couple things I'd like to run by you guys on that. But Kim said in chat room, this is what made me want to start the recording, uh, because I, Nancy just asked how I was. I said, oh, I've been moving some plants around. And um, Kim says in chat room, it's the perfect time before the new moon to move stuff around and declutter. So funny that you'd say that, Kim, because I don't know how this happened, but I spent two hours today on doing exactly that, decluttering. And then I got to the plants, and I hadn't intended to. You know what? You guys, this totally fits in with our topic, doesn't it? Because I didn't – it's not like I was like, oh, going to set aside some time today to declutter. But, wow, what did it start with? It started with one little thing, and it just escalated, and then it was another thing, and then another thing, and then this. Oh, I know. I I uh, <laughs> I took a pop quiz. I I don't think anyone else has received it yet, but I p- took a pop quiz, and one of the last questions is, "What sounds fun next?" And um and the answer that I got was, "Oh, scoop litters." And I was like, Jeanette, that's a failure of a pop. That's the that's a failure. This is not. That is not – this is a takeaway question. I did so good on the rest of it in the very end. What sounds good next? And I was like, hmm, let's do, I was like, uh, let's do litters. <laughs> it was not fun. Um, but, th- but then it started with litters. I was like, oh, I need some more litter, and I want to use this special litter. And so then I was like, oh, it just escalated. So um, nice to know, Kim, that that maybe had some – astro inspiration behind it that this is a good time for decluttering. I didn't really know that about new moon stuff. It makes total sense. feels like I should have known that. Susan, you've been in declutter mode since December? I have. <laughs> well, that was, bef- was that before our January topic was eliminating tolerations? Yes. Wow. Huh. It so- started... Um- it had been percolating a little while, probably started mid-December, and um, I have decluttered bookshelves, closets, um, papers, and I have a storage bench and a small uh, wooden uh, cabinet. I, I decluttered the kitchen. Um left to do so that's it wow and it is it does it feel as fabulous as it sounds yeah oh absolutely you know i and and i'm not a huge accumulator um but things kind of creep in you know i i know we focused on it in january and the reason why i brought that first for our year of the manifester was because 
I don't think most of us realize how much energy we're losing from those little things. <laughs> the little things, like every time I sit, this is one of my favorite spots to do calls from, and I keep looking at, there are two Norfolk pines, and one is a little bigger than the other, and one's growing a little faster than the other, it seems, or it's spreading. I don't know what's going on, but it kind of seemed like this one was growing out of its place, and it seems like such a little thing that they're not in their best places but as soon as I swapped them, now I sit here and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, it's so easy to feel better when we do little things like this. So I think it's a powerful place to start, but doing it, because it isn't, I don't know about everyone else, but it seems like those sorts of things, um, they kind of need some regular maintenance. It's not something you could just do once and then you're done. Although some people maybe do have like an annual spring cleaning and that's when it really gets good attention. But I think it's kind of cool to stay on top of. Well, it also it gives me the um, impetus to anything that comes in to ask: Is this does this bring me? You know, fill in the emotion: happiness, comfort, security, and if not, I I don't need to keep it. You know, okay, I actually would like to explore this a little bit because for February's topic, one of my intentions for my own personal practice was to get better at honoring inspiration because I'm, I feel like in most cases I'm pretty good at hearing it and I even recognize it, but, but my gremlin mind can make me question it. In fact, there was one that even happened just a few minutes ago, right before I dialed in. I have been getting collaboration requests like you cannot believe. It's like every day there's three more. That's a slight exaggeration, but doesn't really seem like it. Like a lot of people and, and people that I know I would love talking with and working with and playing with. But And I thought, okay, it's just because you're getting so many that none of this sounds good because it's just a, it was a little overwhelming to think, okay, where would I fit that and Da, 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 da. So, but but I didn't realize until I listened to voicemails and there was another coach suggesting another way to play together. And this time I felt instantly, easily, yes. And despite the fact that I've got a, a dozen others within the past two or three days that they feel me go, those make me go, but this other one was like, oh, that would be fun. And it was a it was a three way. It wasn't just me and someone else. It was a threesome. So I emailed the third person. I said, "What do you think?" And she emailed back, and she and she was like, "For some reason, that feels like an easy yes to me. I'm feeling the same thing." But but part then there's my grandma that says, "Yeah, but these other ones they make so much more sense." <laughs> Excuse me. I don't what's know if I'm what's your name? Progress. What's your name? Your professional Jeanette. name. My professional name. Good vibe coach. Right. So. Why would you do anything that doesn't light you Let's up? Let's talk about that. This is this is this is so perfect. Okay, and then and then I also want to talk about when nothing is lighting us up, what to do then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, why would we? Why would I? Okay, it's the should. It's the should all around it. Like, I mean, okay. Here was another one. I I posted this. I think I put this in the forum when I was talking about how. Oh, good lord. I heard, look, 
this is the last day and I heard it like an hour and a half before it was the deadline to sign up for Obamacare for 2015. And I always kept thinking, you know, I'm going to get around to that. One of these days I'm going to get, I've thought that for like five years. I'm going to get around to signing up for insurance. And um, I was, it was like, whoa, you've got an hour and a half. To, if you're going to do it in 2015, you've got an hour and a half. So I sat down on the computer and I was like, well, this will be really clear to me. I'll either get a, an easy yes or an easy no. And I logged on. It was some easy stuff. They wanted some info. I was given it. I got a quote. I was like, all right, I could swing that. But, um, but, but Susan, when it came time to pull the trigger on it or take whatever the next step was, I, I was like, I'm doing this because you're supposed to have insurance. I'm doing this because I'm worried if something happened that it could be financially disastrous. Like the, this didn't feel like the good energy that goes into um, embracing something, you know? It felt fear-based. Right. It, and based on the fact that, that was you just sighed for the sixth right? time. How can it be a sigh, though? Everyone knows you're supposed to have health insurance. I can afford What's this. What's the key word in that sentence? Supposed to. I know, but it doesn't and make any sense. And how long has it been since you've had health insurance? A long, ten yeah. plus years. Right. So uh, why? I know. There are consequences. So in this case, you there's a penalty. Yeah, which is feels yeah. kind of piddly. I don't actually know what it is. Right. It, I it, don't actually it's know. It's not massive. And, Mm-mm. you know, so, okay, that's the consequence for my choice. If you're – and if I said to you, well – you should be eating meat. What would you easy. Do? That's so easy for me to laugh at. I know right. better. Right. I don't, you know what, I don't fully, why don't I know better about these things? Like the saying yes to the perfectly nice, amazing, fabulous people. They're they're wonderful. Why wouldn't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I And Susan, here's the thing. I don't. I'm not, what I'm not what I wanted to accomplish this month was that because my guidance said so period end of story. I don't know why I don't trust it on insurance, why I don't trust it on these business decisions where, where I don't know why I question it or why I try and talk myself into a feeling good place around it. Because it it says in your framework it says fear to somebody else it says something else. It says responsibility and says comfort and right, security. Right, security, and, whatever. But that's not your concern. Your concern. I got it. I got I don't know how else to get over it. Okay, I do have a win on this, though. <laughs> so Sunday at Dad's house, I pull up. We got the three dogs in the car. Uh, my aunts are already there. Uh, and there's a cat on his front porch. So I leave the dogs in the car because I know it'll, they'll scare the cat. I think they'll scare the cat away. I like make them stay in. I walk up. Cat doesn't run away. He's actually kind of friendly. And I realize he's, this isn't a friendly cat. This is a hungry cat. You know how you can tell the difference? Okay, this yeah. cat wasn't friendly. He was just hungry. And he's wearing a collar. And skinny, like I could feel along his spine. It didn't feel good. This is not a fat cat. So I, I'm i holding him. I walk in the house because I'm not going to set him down. This Okay, this I have learned. How many times have I seen a dog somewhere or a cat somewhere i'm like in my car i'm like whoa i wonder if they need help and by the time i find a turnaround i decide and i find a turnaround place and i come back they're gone i have learned over the years jeanette you got to answer the first impulse 
there's no think about it, drive three blocks and then turn around and come back because you're going to miss your opportunity to help or to find out if there needs if there needs any assistance required. So I so over time I have learned how to stop on a dime and it was just from missing it so many times. So here I am. I'm not even putting this cat back down on the porch. I'm not giving him a chance to run away. I walk into the house and I go find him some food and my dad was really mad, really, really mad at me. And I love that I'm laughing at this because this, this used to be a really source of heaviness for me because I got in a lot of trouble ever since I was old enough to grab a handful of cat food and walk outside and put it somewhere in the yard for a hungry cat. Um, I didn't miss a beat on this one. I didn't miss a beat even when my dad's pulling me. He's try- I put the I set the cat down with a piece of sausage and he's pulling me into the house and he's trying to close the door. <laughs> And I said, Dad, and he was scarfing down the sausage, and I'm like, he needs more. And um, I said, he said, this, it's the neighbor's cat. It's the neighbor's cat. It's not a stray cat. And I said, well, the neighbor isn't feeding his cat enough. And he said, yes, he is. Anyway, I, I, I didn't, even under pressure on that one, I didn't miss a beat. I went back in, and I brought out some eggs. <laughs> and I said, it is against my nature not to do this. It's against my nature, and that's when he stopped arguing with me, when I, when I told him it's against my nature. I think he got it. I don't know if he did or not. I don't know if he just gave up on me or what. He went in, sat down, everyone was eating breakfast, and I was hauling out some more food for kitties before I brought dogs in the house. <laughs> and um, i got to tell you guys, I know October or December 21st, 2012 is supposed to be the big turning point, you know, uh, where the energy shifts and everything's downhill from there. I got to say, to me, it feels like February fifteenth, twenty fifteen. That's when the world cracked open. When mom texted me that night and said, "Your dad took a can of tuna to feed that cat." <laughs> <laughs> I got to admit. So I got that one right. But boy, I still am. I still. Well, do, there's signs and wonders, right? So your dad feeding the cat. So what is it? that you don't trust within yourself. That okay. I get, you know what it is, Susan? It's judgment that it's judgment that I should be more collaborative. <laughs> is Janet on the line? <laughs> I was wondering if she's here. She's, I think she has a <laughs> one, too. Because uh, it, it feels like um, how many times do we hear when someone has created great success one of the things they say is, well, it didn't happen alone. It happened with, you know, a lot of other people who were helping. I get that. I believe that. And part of me feels like, Jeanette, you got to let someone in to play with you because this isn't some doing, going this alone is not the best route. <sighs> but then. But, but you're then, not going it alone. You have health care providers. Oh, I was thinking of my business joint venture stuff. Oh, oh, we're back. Because how nothing, like (laughs) invitation after invitation after invitation, I was like, this, this, this should be, this should be something that feels good, and yet I was still kind of prying myself into it. But then when I listened to the voicemail, I was like, whoa, yeah, that. So I guess it's that I just got to drop the freaking judgment, because that guidance is there. It's speaking. Um, ooh, Kim just muted, but I wanted to hear from Kim because here's the here's the one I wanted to talk about next, the situation when we really don't know. Kim mentioned this on a call yesterday for Good Vibe Astrology, and she had 
she had, Kim asked something like, well, what do you do when you don't know or when you can't hear guidance? I, and I said, guidance is always speaking. I'm a little miscocky. Guidance is always <laughs> speaking. We don't always hear it, but it's always speaking. And then she told me what her question was, or she revealed later in the call, or maybe it was via email. And I was like, oh, that would, that would, that would throw me off too. Um, I don't want to say for her, but it's the sort of thing. Oh, Kim, can I say just it's type in chat room if I can say what your question is or not? Because I could understand why why guidance could feel elusive in that situation. Okay, so um, oh, I get an emotional just as soon as she gives me permission to talk about it. Look at me. Okay. Mm. Oh, Kim's going to have to say it after all. I can't even say it. It's her cat. Damn cats keep doing this to us. <laughs> Euthanizer surgery. When it isn't clear, how can we hear guidance when emotions like this are flowing? And it's not even my cat. Hmm. Anyone got input? Well... Why is the emotion? What why, what's it, clouding what? it? If a, when we're not hearing, we got a big. It feels like a big decision, an important one, a literally life changing one, and we can't. And it we don't we can't tell which option feels better. <laughs> that situation, I just went into default, and I didn't. Well, the cat made it clear. You are that was a good situation, Anna. That was a good one where do you want to explain how that worked for you? Uh, well the uh, Zoomers Art had had some horrible, very rare uh bacterium the vet didn't even know what it was exactly. Don't just, don't don't elaborate on too many details because it's okay. easy enough for me to feel worried for cats. So skimpy okay. on the details, so, please. So um Medication, it cleared up. As soon as medication stopped, it came back with a vengeance. The, the vet wanted to then make surgery, uh, cut it out, and uh, we were all relieved, but then something went horribly wrong, and um, we had to, John and I had just eloped, and we had to, we came back a little early, and um, the vet said, when we took him in, the vet said that this is it. Um, the only option would be a triple cocktail of antibiotics every day for minimum six months and uh, daily wound changes for at least six weeks. And she said it, that it, prognosis would be poor at best. They wanted to put him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, struggled. I decided, okay, fine, but can hey, you bring him home? How, now, were you hearing guidance? In that moment, Anna, or were you operating from a logical mind? I was going on a logic. I didn't want him to hurt. And I just wanted him at home first, you know, before it happened. But I so couldn't. That does I struggled. sound like guidance. I mean, that does sound like your inspiration was take him home. Okay, well, yes. And, and you know, come time, he, nobody wanted to really make the decision. I was the one who had to and so I made the decision. I struggled horribly. Uh and day of the cat 
suddenly, I mean, I, I held, I made the decision with, um, I said, barring some kind of miracle. And the miracle happened right from the cat. He went up and uh, on John's bedside table. He's never, ever done that. He went up there and was just meowing and looking intently at John. And John just looked at me and he said, he doesn't want to go. He's telling me, he said, don't let him, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. So I canceled the oh. appointment. And we thought if he wants to, if it's his time, if he wants to go, it'll just be happen naturally. And uh, he just started getting better as soon as I took him, as soon as I stopped giving him the antibiotics. I mean, the day he was supposed to go in, he was better than he had been two days earlier. So I had a, I had a similar experience with, with, with Elvis a little bit. But Anna, how do you, how do you hear guidance? How do you recognize when higher power is talking? I've had to go uh, check in with my physical body to see how uh, different areas actually feel physically. And um, a lot of it is in my uh, internal, in my gut, you know, or, or my, that whole area between my neck and the hips. Uh, that is where I frequently, I just see how it, it feels. And there are, I've noticed, when my body goes in that, then I, it's, if I can clearly discern a physical sensation, then uh, I think on, you know, is this about that subject or is, is this, you know... Um, and I'm having ripples and, of goosebumps as you're describing that, Anna, and I'm like, oh, this is exactly that. That's when our body says yes, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it that way, it, it's just so much easier and... You know, I found a, a lot of times I have actually in my belly been feeling not good. And uh, then I make a decision and I just, I feel, I feel taller. I feel lighter. Mm. All of a sudden I almost mm. feel kind of like air. Wow. Like I, almost, I love almost. that question, Anna. Like what if we just asked, which one feels taller? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one way to access our answer. Huh. Uh-huh. All right. Getting the, well, the thought, the logic out of there does seem to be the key. Getting our, our that. Well, that's logic. been, that's been, look, I know this stuff and still my logical mind wants to insert itself. It wants to still direct the party. Um, maybe, I don't know if it's logical mind or gremlin or what it is. Uh, I wanted to quote Flavia in chat room because she's not dialed in, but Flavia said, Okay, so how to tell, Kim says, look, neither option feels better. Flobby says, one feels better in the moment than the other. Better, not good. Sometimes you've got to get closer to the moment of the decision. And then she said, so if nothing feels better, then wait. Yeah, I've I've found that to be helpful. I didn't. I don't know that I was consciously practicing that, but there did come a time when the knowing did reveal itself. And what, wasn't I quoting Eric Schiffman? on the last call when he was talking about how if you are trying to decide, don't even bother because if you don't have clarity, then don't choose because without clarity, you're operating blind. That, that you want to, when inspiration arrives, it makes it obvious. There isn't any choice to be made because there's only one path that reveals itself as the right one or something like that. I didn't say it exactly the way he did, but. I've well, found that to be true with just a little with if I let time pass a little, that clarity will come. Is that it also Susan gives you a little space. 
to, you know, ask the cat. Um, know that the that you that the decision arrives. You're not in charge. Flavia says that too. You're not in charge. The cat's part of this decision well, how, creation. How about those situations where it is it, it it doesn't involve someone else, or I guess there isn't any situation that doesn't involve someone else, but it seems like you are in charge, like me, in charge of saying yes to someone and no to someone else. Well, there is, Again, there is the, the choice is the the decision is made. You you just need to stumble on the decision. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it, and it will and you it will when you're ready then whatever the path is will feel good, will feel correct even if it's you know something that you have a lot of emotion around. That but you know, opening up to the clarity of not the decision, the clarity of what we want to feel, how we want to be in this moment with I, the yes, cat. I Susan, that's reminding me of uh, on on the call uh, with Kim. I had said, well, it, Abraham would tell us it doesn't even matter what we choose; it only matters how we feel. So. It, whatever decision you make doesn't even matter. Just line up with it because how we feel, what we're vibrating, is all that matters. Right. You know, Kim says, um, I guess all possible options are unfolding and the decision is the one. Is which, which one to focus on. Focus mm. on what reality to be in. Mm. You know, because... It's like the dilemma of Schrodinger's cat. Until the box is open, you don't know. And you only know in this particular time that you're focusing on, because there's another parallel time where the cat is different than what you see right now. So the same thing. You don't know the cat's future. Well, the cat cat has all the futures, right? I mean, the cat is doing all the parallel realities right along with us. Right. So you preference preference the cat has. Right. So let's go to the question that came in. Can can I just say one more thing? Please, Nancy. I've been muted because of the background noise, but now I can unmute. Um, A number of years ago, I uh, used to volunteer in a... It was a shelter. It was an annex shelter. The Palo Alto Humane Society had so many cats that they actually had one of their board members give up basically her home. She turned her home into an adjunct annex shelter for cats. And I had my husband and I had been walking through the town of Mountain View and had seen this these um, signs that said we need people to volunteer to socialize cats and I thought hey I can do that be happy to do that so I, my son and I would go and we would volunteer we'd go in and we'd clean our hands and we would you know pick up these pets and hold them and love them and give them attention and put them back in their cage and wash our hands and do it again. So I went in one day and I could feel I was being watched and I looked over and here was this like Siamese looking kitty. 
purring at me. And I went and picked him up, and it turned out he had been a feral cat, and they were planning on putting him down because they didn't think he would make a good pet. And I adopted him, and it did take about a year for him to get truly comfortable living with humans and being petted by humans and so forth. But once he did, he became a really wonderfully bonded pet, and I just loved him, loved him, loved him. But one of the things about him is he did not like to be picked up. He was, he'd been a feral, so he just didn't like mm-hmm. to be picked up. So I honored that wish on his part not to be picked up, which meant that I also couldn't pick him up to trim his claws because he didn't like to be picked up. And so I just let him grow his his claws long, and he would bite them and pull them off, and I'd pick up after him. But I, I wouldn't worry about the fact that he had long claws. So somebody said to me, it was my mom actually, who said to me, it was in December of 2007, she said to me, what are you going to do if he ever gets sick? As he gets older, what are you going to do? And I said, well, he doesn't want to be picked up. His claws are too sharp to pick him up. You know, this is not a cat that could get medication. You know, if something ever happened to him, I'd have to make a decision at that point. I hung up on the phone, and I turned to him. He was right there with me, and I turned to him, and I said, you know, I love you very much. You have a home with me for the rest of your life. I love you, and I'm happy to have you in my home. But if you ever decide that you're ready to move on, I will know because you'll get sick. If you get sick, I'll know that you're ready to move on. And he just kind of looked at me like, okay, cool. (laughs) A A month to the day, a month to the day, he, I saw him running past me, howling and dripping blood. Mm. And I went to go find him, and he had hid. And, of course, we know animals in the wild hide when they think they're dying. Um, it took me quite a while to, to get him into a crate and get him to the vet. And the vet basically said, listen, he's got some kind of crystals built up in his penis. And uh, it makes it painful him for him to urinate, and it's just excruciatingly painful, and that's where the blood's coming from. And if um, you know we can we can operate, and that's fine, but that means you're gonna yeah you're gonna have to give him all the medication after after the um, after the surgery, and it could come back. So what the vet did at that point is that they. They helped him as much as they could. They gave him some pain reliever, and they sent sent him home with me. And it was that night, holding him in my arms, in a t- wrapped in a towel, him uh, under pain medication, that it just hit me. I want this cat to live because I love him. But what quality of life is it for him to have to go through the surgery to is this your logical mind going through this process, Nancy, or was in, was higher power helping you come to this conclusion? And how do I you th- know? I think that um, I think that where higher power stepped in is where I could recognize that it was it was me that was wanting to keep him alive, and that that was not necessarily in the best interest of the cat. And and I think that that's where, in the silence, just by myself, in the dark, holding this kitty cat wrapped in a towel, realizing how much I loved him, but at the same time, it wasn't fair for me to keep him alive. And if keeping him alive meant he was going to have to go through surgery 
and recover from that and might potentially have to go through future surgeries, it just, I don't know, I, I feel like in that silence, the answer was, you know, do what's best a, for the animal. I had a guy tell me a story about how uh, his dog, oh, my God, he said it was like a softball-sized tumor on the liver or something, and um, the vet basically said, uh, you're probably just considering the age, just euthanization is the way to go here. And he was in agreement, but his was his wife or his daughter, someone someone else wasn't in agreement with that decision, and and more just to placate the the family member, they did the surgery, and um, and the guy li- the dog lived like another five years. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, happy, healthy. Hey, so here's another question. So someone was writing about what do you, what do you do when your guidance is pointing you towards something that isn't good for you, like it's suggesting have another drink or get back together with that ex-husband who is not good for you, or like not wearing a helmet when you're on your on the motorcycle. Um, what, what do you guys have to say to that question? Is it really inner guidance that's saying, yeah, go for another drink? Yes. Is it, I, could be. I, I agree, Anna. I, I mean, I think that it's, depending on what the question is, it's worth asking what's really, because remember, remember, my, I would have insi- I did insist, I am positive, I am on recorded calls where I insisted that all that chocolate I ate, guys, I was eating like a half a bag of Snickers a day. And I was insisting that that was driven by guidance, by inspiration, by what truly felt good, not by addiction. I, in hindsight, I believe I was wrong. But at the time, I would have sworn up and down. No, this absolutely feels better. This is not driven by cravings. This is not driven by physiological uh, <laughs> something happened in the body. This is truly my idea of a good time. I, I bet you there's – I bet I'm rec- on recorded calls saying that. <laughs> I think it can be easy to get this wrong. The only reason I suspect – I'm suspicious about that now is because I had I got sick for a couple of days and didn't eat anything at all, and um, then when I di- when I felt better and was eating again, it was not asking for a half a bag of Snickers by any means. It's a little chocolate here and there. I remember Maria Lessitz would talk about how she had a little square of dark chocolate after dinner, and that was it. Every day though, she did every day. So I have chocolate every day. She had a little square every night, and I kind of made fun. <laughs> I was like, oh please, you don't know the kind of chocolate I'm I'm talking about here. Little, but now I get it because that actually feels that's that feels perfect to me. A little bit after lunch and a little bit after dinner. That's perfect. Our so, guidance would never um, lead us consciously towards something that um, could harm us in some way. It goes back to the question: How to tell the difference, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. first of all, I think guidance might very well say, "Yeah, have another drink." It might. We don't know. We could only hope the person who's getting the impulse knows where this is coming from. But I think to just well, you couldn't just assume that any any inspiration you get for smoking or drinking or whatever else that might not be quote unquote good for us, uh, I I don't think we can. It'd be crazy to think that something always falls in the category of bad idea. We don't know, and I think well, it would be the judgment is what gets complicated the minute you start labeling things good or bad. Yeah. yeah, that's what was tripping me up, wasn't it? Right. So if you can back away from the judgment, 
and ask what you know what does this bring me does um, another drink truly bring me joy or am i hiding from something it's it's a it i think what it's calling for us to do susan is to get really honest with ourselves about where that impulse is coming from right mm-hmm. And you if know, we could really, that, truly do that without judgment, we, we're going to have a better chance of getting an accurate answer. Right. Mm-hmm. So if if the impulse to eat chocolate previously, was that really about chocolate or was that about some other emotion that the chocolate represented? Well, it it, it felt it was delicious is what it was. I, I never ate it out of, ooh, I'm bored, or ooh, I'm uncomfortable, or ooh, I don't want to do that, I'll distract my... I never ate it out of that. I had ate it out of pure enjoyment for the chocolate. I, at least I thought I was. Mm, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe one day the body had a new idea. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Um, and so that, you know, if there wasn't judgment around it, what what prompted you to talk about? Let's get off of me. I've talked about me enough. Think, let's talk about a woman right. who it, is it, getting back together with an abusive ex. The example here. Yeah, I know. I just am sick of talking. Well, about and me. and I wonder, Jeanette, about this this question about you know when guidance draws us to do something that we know we shouldn't do or think we shouldn't do, whether it isn't also guidance showing us where we're not clear. Because if we were clear that that X then, is then out of our life wonder. and we're done, mm-hmm. we wouldn't we wouldn't even entertain the thought. But um, but when we're not really sure, um, guidance might be saying, "Come on, one more time. Go back to this lesson one more time. Give it a try." Because I've had that experience where I've gone back to things that I thought I had given up or wasn't going to do anymore. I go back to it and it's like. Okay, now I remember why I decided <laughs> to give this up. Okay, I I've learned the lesson this time. <laughs> I was wondering, are there any stories of women who reunited with exes that had happy endings? Maybe they exist. I don't know if I know of one personally, but um, I, I have to believe people can change. And yet, most people would uh, would really just shake their head at the girl who keeps going back to the abusive boyfriend, wouldn't they? Yeah. Now, now, I don't know about the abusive part. I have heard of every now and then you hear of somebody who they married somebody, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It ended in divorce, and then they end up getting remarried 20, 30 years later. But I don't know if abuse, you know, if abuse was part of that, that's, yeah, I don't know. That's, That's a whole other cycle of codependence and, you know, He's really a good person. I know he didn't mean to hit me. He didn't mean to beat me up. He didn't mean to send me to the hospital. He's he really means well. You know that kind of that's a whole other thing. Um, I'm just checking in on chat room, and I'm I'm also thinking about guidance because I I I feel so many different things on this topic. I'm just like, well, I think guidance could say, yeah, have another drink. I mean, I don't think necessarily would say yeah have a the whole bottle i, I don't know but <laughs> i love the i don't know i love the i don't know we don't okay keep going flavia 
But but I also think what what Nancy was saying. Sometimes guidance, uh, you know, is infinitely not not sometimes guidance is infinitely patient. So if part of the guidance is to go back because you think that it's your guidance speaking, but it's not really. It's just something you're telling yourself that it, this is my guidance. Yeah, it's, it's telling me to go back with the X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go and then you check it out and you're like, mm, nope, that's guidance too. So come along. The guidance is part of guidance. You're right. It never ends. So it's an, right you don't have to take it so seriously. And, the, I, and, and and at the same time, like, if we think we shouldn't do something, then it's you, you want to be in alignment with yourself while still asking kind of what's true for you. Because, you know, to, if, if you don't think you need to wear a seatbelt and you're making yourself wear a seatbelt, that's going to be a lot more cumbersome. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like mm-hmm. if, if you don't think you should do something, but then you do it, you're, you're, your alignment is not there. It's, it's conflict. You're conflicted. Because you believe you shouldn't do it, not because guidance is saying you shouldn't do it. But That's at the same time, funny. until you sort it out, you want to kind of pay attention to your shoulds and shouldn'ts because there's less alignment in, in going against your your beliefs than there is until you figure mm-hmm. out what it is you really want to do, what your preference is. I'm so glad you dialed in to share that, Slavia. That feels really brilliant. Thank you. And. Mm. Give ourselves a break, because I think this, you know, what Esther's been doing this for twenty something years, twenty five now since she's been with Esther, mm-hmm. and she's she's still, you know, not sure sometimes, and it's perfectly normal. Everybody does this. It is, I think, it is part of guidance to try and discern what feels better, what feels better now, you know. And in, in your case, and I know you said you don't want to talk about yourself, but in your case, in answering all these different people back, just tell them that's. You know, I get back to me in a little bit. Not right now. Right now, my schedule is full with things that I'm delighted to do now, and then maybe later, maybe. You know, I I'm reading a book which I'm not happy about, Kim. I have tried. I can't tell you how many fiction books I've tried to get into, and um, how many. I mean, I've bought them, and they go straight to the giveaway box because I can't read. I am so spoiled by good fiction. Anyway, I'm reading one. I think I have. I have a keeper. He was telling a story about his character goes to Amsterdam and there's bikes everywhere. And he said, and no one wears a helmet. And this was written recently. And it made me wonder, is that true? In Holland, do people really not wear helmets? Because you know how every kid in the neighborhood now is not allowed on the bike without a helmet on. And most of the adults I see on bikes too have helmets too. It made me laugh at the idea that the country that has more bike riders probably than any other, uh, that they don't wear helmets? I just love the idea of questioning what what might be thought of as traditional wisdom. <laughs> like, we're supposed to have mammograms at 40, or, or we're supposed to wear By the way, they're changing or, that. They're changing that. I don't know I'm, what, but and I don't care, but <laughs> they're changing their minds on a lot of things, too like about salt, like cholesterol and eggs, they no longer think that's an issue. If you keep up with the the newer stuff, you'll see, like, it's all changing, shifting. They've taught us a lot of stuff that's that's just not true in that way, yeah. Mm. See, Um, Wow, Susan says only half of a percent of cyclists in the Netherlands are helmeted. I don't know why that brings me such joy. Well, I think it might be rule-free living, like where we pe- we really allowed people to follow their own guidance rather than to try to legislate it. Wow. 
That is the, yeah, I think that is the key. Um, the only reason kids are always wear a helmet, wear a helmet, and they are all helmeted is uh, it's against the law. Well, here in Canada, it's against the law not to wear a helmet when you're riding a bike. And the fact that, you know, the government or lawmakers think they know better for me than I do, um, I find that... And they and you know what? It's the same here with seatbelt. We have seatbelt laws, and I'm in violation every time I get in a car. And um, and I and they might know better how to survive a wreck, but how do they know that surviving a wreck is really what's best for me? <laughs> exactly. How do they know? They don't. If they're going basing it on an assumption that you're going to be in a wreck, or just in case you get in a wreck, it is just like the insurance. And you know. Of all the times I, I have, uh, I haven't had insurance of well, personal at all. In I think I can honestly actually say decades, because uh, I just know it's going to be fine, and I don't. I, I think I used to when we first had to start wearing seatbelts. There would I'd put it on, and my first thought was, oh, I have to be careful because there's danger out there. I might get in an accident. And I want to live. You know, there was all of that, oh. So the thought was to the unwanted thing, which I think is just silly. That is almost making it happen in a way, keeping it that prevalent in our mind. I I agree, Anna. I agree. Um, okay, so, Flavia, I'd like to pick your brain for a second about... Do you have any wisdom to share? If anyone has an answer to this question, I'd love to hear it. I I could answer it like six different ways, and I'm just the question still keeps coming up. So here's the question: How do you tell the difference between gremlins and guidance? <laughs> gremlins don't feel good. They're always they're <laughs> our gremlins doubt. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no. Go on. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have that question. <laughs> I'm laughing because really, is it gremlins or guidance? And or maybe, maybe the. Uh, okay, so how can we? How do we? How do we easily recognize when guidance is speaking? When this is, when this you know, is a source it, energy impulse. It's boring, but it's, it just feels better. I I, I I think when our minds make it more complicated, it's it's just it slows things down. Okay, you know, so so does that mean that? Okay, you know how all the pin, there's a ton of Pinterest quotes about how uh, you got to get out of your comfort zone, and you know nothing amazing happens when you're yeah. playing it safe. Um, I'm thinking about because Kim, I, I don't remember how this was worded on our call the other day, but. And it might have even been Kim who asked it, but it was something like, uh, well, what do you do when guidance is pointing you towards something that's uncomfortable, like saying yes to a speaking gig or saying yes to a proposal or yes to living together? Um, what, do you make of, what do you make of the argument that sometimes it's true inspiration, but what it's asking you to do is really uncomfortable?
I think that once you get in the moment of it, see, I think we're anticipating a lot of things. So once you get in the moment and you decide to get in that moment, so say you're about to jump off something, right, and you're like, oh, my God, you know, it's more like that you're just doing it to yourself. And if you've decided to jump, and you can still decide not to jump, by the way, but if you've decided to jump, then it's going to be all right. I mean, it's going to feel uncomfortable, but there's like, I feel like there's this undercurrent under it that says, yes, this feels right to me right now. Mm. Even if it's scary, even if it's heart pounding, even if it makes you break out in a sweat. Yeah, but you know that it feels better to do it than, than yeah. not to do it in that moment. And sometimes I think we, we, we try to know in advance to kind mm-hmm. of pre- pr- protect or plan for, and, and that's what gets really confusing. Because, you know, if you plan for how you're going to feel, it's going to – you can't do that, in other words. It, you, you, can, you can try, you can, we, and we certainly all do our best, right? <laughs> when I meet that family member at Thanksgiving, blah, 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 right? <laughs> or something. Um, but in the moment, you'll know what feels better. In the moment. I, I, I like that. that. When I started my business in, or thought about starting my business in 1994, logically, it didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But when I felt my my guidance, it was light and clear and yes, yes, yes. You know, it was very, um, it was very clear to me that this was this was the right direction for me to go. But logically, it didn't make any sense. So, and was it scary? I mean, it, it did it have fear involved, Nancy? Um, the fear came from everybody on the outside of me. Inside, when I focused on thinking about it, there was no fear for me. But when other people would talk to me, they they were the ones that were expressing the fear and the worry. And you're a single parent, and you need your your health benefits, and you can't do this, and uh, nobody makes money doing that, and blah 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 blah. So, but when I really focused in on what I wanted, and the same thing two years later when I decided to get the solar panels on my house on my roof, mm-hmm. logically. There were a thousand and one reasons not to do it because I didn't have the money for it at the time. And um, where was the money going to come from? And it's a hell of a lot of money. Where is that money going to come from? But when I focused on just imagining myself standing in front of my house, seeing the solar panels, and knowing that all the electricity in my house was coming you know, from the energy made by those solar panels, it just felt fabulous. It felt fabulous, and I had to train myself to focus on that and keep my attention off the money that was freaking me out. Perfect. And Perfect example, Nancy. Another way I find uh, to distinguish a difference, uh, to try and look at the situation or whatever the uh, we think is guidance or gremlin, uh, look at it, uh, try to look at it from, purely from a place of love, um, and then look at it uh, from fear. And often it's it's the fear uh, over, well, it's the fear that, that uh, holds us back, and uh, our ego then tries to go uh, winging around uh, the stuff to try and calculate a way that the fear can, um, we can convince ourselves that the fear part is 
from guidance and that that's what we should follow rather than, you know, speaking of an, uh, accepting a speaking engagement rather than going ahead, um, accepting the engagement and actually carrying through despite our fear mm-hmm. about it. Because mm-hmm. guidance guys- is never fear. Yeah. Do you guys remember hearing Doreen Virtue talk about how when she initially got the vision that she would be standing up before crowds speaking, it's it scared her tremendously. No. The vision scared her. No. Um, and she didn't even know where to start. Or how, you know, it just seemed too big for her. And she um, she says that the angels were telling her one step at a time. One step at a time, just take one. And so she would take the next logical step for her, which at that point was, you know, checking into her local college to see what programs they had that would interest her. And then, you know, eventually she did learn to speak in front of crowds. And eventually she, you know, she 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 built up to all those things. But when she looked at the big goal, the, the lar- overall large goal, it scared her. But when she broke it down into smaller manageable pieces, she was able to take one step at a time and kind of, you know, like Jack Canfield talks about how with your headlights you could drive in the dark from New York to L.A. just 200 feet, seeing only 200 feet at a time. You know, you you get there by just, you know, looking right here, right now, what is what is the next best thing? What feels best to me right now? And then that, that speaks to what Flavia was saying about how, you know, when we try and anticipate too far out in the future, it might not serve us. Just trust that when it when it's time to know something, we will know. And, yep. and I got to say, what what what's feeling really good to me right now is to embrace my story that I am well guided, that I am very clear about what's best for me, that I get information, I get insights regularly and obviously. I mean, if I just invest in this story more than I have been, it feels like any questions that are in my mind, they'll be erased because nothing like that can stand in the presence of my affirmation that um, that I'm well guided, or I don't know what kind of words I'm going to put around it. And that's an easy one for me to embrace because most of the time I am. So all I'm looking to do is just iron out a few kinky spots anyway. And and for me to remember Abraham's advice, it doesn't even matter what you ever decide. It only matters how you feel. So just choose whatever makes it easier to feel good. I just I just shared a uh, Louise Hay affirmation. Whatever I need to know is revealed to me at exactly the right time. Mm. Mm. Say it again. Whatever I need to know is revealed to me at exactly the right time. Love it. Just like that. Goosebumps. Right on. Um, Does anyone have anything, any other point of discussion on this subject or any others that they want to bring up? Or are we a wrap for today? Oh, Six says she has a quick story. Are you dialed in? No, no dialed in. Okay. Well, if you get it in chat room, I'll read it in. If you get it in before we hang up, anyone got any final thoughts? Uh, no, I was just wanting to say, as as Six is writing, that Nancy's example was so perfect because it made no sense in terms of where's the money going to come from, but yet the feeling was there, the the calm, 
peaceful, persistent, but not insistent feeling of guidance was there. And in the other example was other people were telling her, but she was listening to what felt better to her. And that's, that's a, that's, and you know, we can take, we can zoom out even more and say, well, those other people were you also in, in your doubts, but you decided to choose to listen to what felt better to you, what, what your knowing was. And, and in that, the other people went away, dis- disappeared, Ooh, dissipated. Good point, Flavia. Really, really good point. You know what? That kind of feels like what happened on the porch with my dad when if if he's a reflection of my lingering shouldn't feed stray cats um, programming, then for me to just overcome that once and for all so solidly without question in a situation that normally I would, it's not my house, it's my parents. I mean, for me to overcome it there, and then just hours later, here's mom reporting dad's out feeding the stray cat. <laughs> oh, it does. It feels like the world's cracked open. Okay, so Patrice On that, says, I, it, it oh, really ahead, does feel, it really does feel, uh, honestly, in 2015, it just, it really does feel that uh, there's been a crack in the veil or something that wow. things are happening quicker and miraculous things. Just one after another, it, blows me away. I love I it. I agree. I completely agree. I agree. And seeing a lot of evidence of that, too. Yeah. Okay, so Patrice says, my mom got rushed to hospital last week with kidney failure. She had no, Patrice had no idea what to do. I think this is Patrice. I could be wrong. She sat with her in hospital, and we focused on feeling good no matter what. Um, so they laughed, told funny stories. She came home a few days ago. She's caring for her, and we were just focusing on feeling good. Every day she is getting better, much more than what they were predicting in the hospital. Mm, yeah, she says the feeling good allows the cells of our bodies to completely regenerate themselves. Yeah, I, in fact, I think that's, that feeling good message got a spotlight here a couple of times in this call, and I agree with whoever said that can't be overestimated. I mean, that's, um, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah. Right on. Um, well, thanks, everyone, for uh, contributing to this conversation. I'm going to go practice my – thanks for that link, Nancy. I'm going to go pull that up. And I know I made you say it twice. I'm going to go – whatever I need to know is revealed to me at exactly the right time. I might put that on the Facebook page even because um, I think that's going to be how I'm going to wrap up the rest of this month with uh, with an intention and a focus on enhancing my relationship with Source Energy. All right, so um, when's our next opportunity to play together? I don't even know. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe Julie and Annette have a call tomorrow. Uh, But whatever it is, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again for everyone who was here today, and we'll see you in the forums. My guidance says thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Flavia. Bye-bye. Bye, Anna. Bye, everybody.